Hey fellow album divers, Trevor here. And before we kick off our last episode of 2020, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to anyone who has taken the time to listen this year. Absorbing music and creating these episodes has been one of the few things keeping us sane in these crazy times. Being able to share that experience with so many of you along the way has been infinitely rewarding. If you've been along with us for the whole ride or just jumped on after a review of one of your favorite albums, we're so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to our long-winded discussions as we nerd out over music. If you've enjoyed listening, it would mean so much to us if you shared this podcast with a friend you know who loves great music, left us a review or rating, or reached out on Facebook or Instagram at Album Divers with thoughts or suggestions as we head into 2021. We promise to personally respond to anyone who contacts us. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for being with us on this journey. And now, for the last time in 2020, on to the show. Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Shane. And I'm Trevor. On this podcast, we take turns picking albums to discuss and review. One of us chooses an album from this calendar year, and the other chooses an album that's been around a while. But this time, instead of deep diving a single album, we thought we'd end 2020 by mentioning some of our favorite albums from the year that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast already. Oh man, I'm excited. There were so many good albums this year. I think we picked some solid albums to deep dive, but man, there were definitely some other great albums. I'm glad we're getting to highlight a few of them today. Me too. And in preparation for this podcast, we didn't maybe dive quite as deep on these albums as we had for the ones that we spent well, as everybody who's taken the time to listen to our podcast knows, <laughs> maybe entirely too long talking about, I still feel like, man, this has been such a fun exercise to get to know these albums, even, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't say surface level, because we've certainly, we certainly learned enough to know what's going on with each album and really absorb them, but it's made me kind of want to deep dive all these albums. I wish that we had a little more time to maybe spend a little longer on one of these, because they're great. Yeah, definitely. I had the same impression. A, a lot of these I, I listened to because I, I enjoyed the sound. I checked them out. They were ones that I was thinking about picking for one of our deep dives, but we ran out of time and it just didn't happen. But when you start to read the the backstory of the artist and the album and you get little snippets, you kind of want more and you start to realize that the album has way more layers than you could ever pick up on first listen. And it does get you intrigued to want to explore it even further. I think we've done that enough, as you mentioned, to appreciate these albums. But yeah, there's there's some backstories that I would love to dive into further on these as well. So before we get into our picks for these five albums that we each chose, we created a couple ground rules for ourselves. One was we couldn't pick albums that we had already done a deep dive on. We also are not putting these in any particular order. So I'm picking five and you're picking five, but we're not deciding that we're counting down to our favorite. These are just five albums that we each like that didn't make one of our deep dive episodes. Yeah, for sure. And I want to add that I didn't necessarily peruse the entire catalog of 2020 albums, pick my top 30, and then narrow it down to five. These all showed up on my list for 
various reasons. Either a friend recommended it. I heard a clip while I was driving on Sirius XM radio or possibly stumbled upon it via one of those lists that people put out of best albums. And I, I happened to, to see an artist that I hadn't checked out in a while and figured, oh, okay, that, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll listen to them again. So for me, it was more about albums that that found their way into my life somehow in the year 2020 uh, and not necessarily that I, I went to be a scholar or a historian and, and seek out all these albums and dissect them and then choose the the best ones that we didn't review. These, these were albums that, like I said, for some reason or another, uh, found their way into my headphones and, and left a mark and I decided I wanted to not move on from this year without giving them a mention. How did you come upon your top five that we didn't cover? Yeah, similar. I thought a lot about it and decided there's enough people out there that are making these top 10 lists that are really trying hard to think about what the, you know, the zeitgeist of culture and the year and everything that is encapsulated within some album and who's up and coming and all of these things. So there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. I decided I wasn't going to wear my music critic hat when doing this. I, I decided I wanted to wear my music lover hat. So Really, for me, a lot of them were just ones that, for whatever reason, I gravitated toward, and that's what spoke to me throughout the year. So there's going to be some things that I think you're going to see on some top 10 lists or end-of-the-year lists, and maybe some things that are just more personal. I felt like I really can't just be one other talking head that's repeating what the supposed best albums of the year are. So this is these are my favorite. Some of them might be critically great. Some of them might just be... Trevor picks. So that's how I decided I'd approach it. Well, should we get started? You want me to lead it off? Yeah, go for it. What's your first one? Well, before I get started here and give you a quick review of the first album on my list, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Josh. I had listened to this album, but I wasn't totally focused on it. And I thought it was good, but I guess I, di- I didn't think it was great uh, for whatever reason. And I was I was on a hike with my buddy Josh and he was like, "Man, you you should really give that album another listen. I I think I think you should review it on your podcast. It's really really good." And uh I'm glad he encouraged me to go back a second time because when I gave this album my my full attention, I uh, I realized it it's fantastic. So, uh thank you Josh. This first album comes from Waxahachie, a decade-old band formed by singer-songwriter Katie Crutchfield, named after the Waxahachie Creek near Birmingham, Alabama, where Katie grew up. This band's music can be described as folk, alternative rock, and indie with a country flair. Katie's songs are deeply personal and reflect on topics such as relationships, anxiety, and life on the road. Her vocals are soft and sweet, although bold and strong. After touring for the past 10 years and releasing four studio albums, Katie decided to settle down in Kansas City with her partner and fellow musician, Kevin Morby. She realized she needed to take some time to slow the pace of life and relearn how to be, in her words, a person person instead of just a music person. Throughout this process, she created her fifth studio album, St. Cloud, a nod to her father and his hometown of St. Cloud, Florida. Reflecting on the creation of this album and what it means to her, Katie had this to say, In the past, I've been gunning for something at all times and making compromises along the way. I didn't do any of that on this record. If somebody wasn't available, then I waited. And if something didn't sound just right, then we made it sound just right. 
I started to reject the idea that you have to live your life clumsily and be a big mess to write anything that's exciting or interesting. I'm approaching everything in life with a softness, which I think is important to keeping myself in a healthy place. I want to leave you with a clip from the hit track Fire, which is a really good representation of this album as a whole. The song starts in the middle of a thought with the lyrics, that's what I wanted. When Katie was asked what she was referring to here, she had the following to say. This song is about getting to a more grounded, centered, self-assured place, just recognizing the low points and the hard moments. Even though I'm having this moment of reckoning with myself, I do have to remind myself that I've made a lot of progress and it is getting easier. That's what I wanted for it to get easier. That's what I wanted. It's not as if we cry a river, call it rain. West Memphis is on fire in the light of day. Give me something. It ain't enough. It ain't good album. I'm glad you picked it. One of the things I forgot to mention at the start of the show is that one of our other rules is we couldn't both pick the same album. And we shared each other's picks maybe, I don't know, a week or so before recording this. And I was like, damn it, Shane, you picked Waxahachie because she would have made my list as well. I don't know who I would have bumped, but in some ways I'm kind of glad that you picked her because it gave me the ability to pick somebody else that I wanted to make a uh, showing on here so i think we had a couple overlaps two or, two or three i think we had two yeah, yeah we'll talk about the other one when it comes up right well waxahachie's on there and like i said we haven't decided to order these in any way but man that might be up there close to one of my top favorite for the year one of the things that i really liked about and just reading about her in addition to listening to the music she's got connections as you mentioned to kevin morby which is also another singer songwriter that i've really liked yeah i believe there are a couple they're, li- they're yeah, living together. Yeah. They moved to Kansas City together. I also read that the two of them have collaborated and made some music, redoing some songs by Jason Molina, which is another singer-songwriter that I really like, and even a little bit of Velvet Underground. So tying all in a bunch of artists that I already enjoy made me already biased towards really liking Waxahachie, and the, the music didn't disappoint. It's unique. It's definitely got kind of an Americana and folk vibe, but it's got something a little bit different to it, too. Just the sound of her voice, as you heard on that clip. I feel like she's got kind of a half smile, even though the content's got a lot of depth. Great album. I thought that was an awesome pick. All right, moving on. We'll start with your first pick. All right, I'm going to approach this sort of chronologically in a sense. This is a band that I've been listening to a long time since the mid-90s. Hum is a post-hardcore sort of space rock shoegaze band from Champaign, Illinois. The band formed way back in 1989 and released a couple albums that 
kind of went unnoticed before their 1995 release called You'd Prefer an Astronaut. And their song Stars got some radio play, had a music video on MTV during that time, and it, it even made its way to a Cadillac commercial, which was I was I was unaware of until doing a little reading on this. Even still, though, they were kind of flying under the radar, and I personally wasn't paying attention until their 98 release called Downward is Heavenward. That was one of my favorite albums growing up. And I guess it kind of makes sense that even though their first one maybe was more popular with that hit, I would have been 11 when that one came out in 95, and then 14 when Downward is Heavenward came out in 98. So that's when I jumped on. Like we discussed when we did our Sunny Day Real Estate episode, this band's influence over time has become more apparent than maybe was recognized when they were making music back then. Among others, the Deftones sight hum is influence, which I think you can hear on those signature fuzzy haze of distortion guitars that often buries lead singer Matt Talbot's shy style vocals. Also, maybe comparably to our lyrical analysis of Sunday Day Real Estate, Hum's lyrics read more as poetry and they leave a lot open for interpretation. But they've always had themes of outer space and interstellar narratives. Now, 22 years since their last album release, they dropped this one, Inlet, as a surprise release in June. When I first pushed play on this album, I was taken right back to 98 and listened to them, which felt perfect for me in 2020. The heavy guitar bearing that understated vocal felt like the chaos of this year and then that inner voice in all of us trying to push through, but not quite having enough energy to rise to that occasion. I reached out to some fans on a Hum Facebook group to get their opinion on which song to choose to play for a clip to introduce this band to our listeners that might not know them. Because it's really hard to encapsulate Hum in one song. I had one longtime fan of the group recommend the first track because, as she put it, when it dropped this summer, I really didn't know what to expect. But about eight seconds into Waves, I started to cry, she said, because I knew that it was everything I had hoped and wanted it to be. It was unmistakably hum and unquestionably awesome. Soaring, sad, and beautiful, heavy and intricate, all the things that I love about hum. So Cassie, since I couldn't have said it any better myself, this is the first song on Inlet, and the first in 22 years by hum. This one is called Waves.
Yeah, good pick, Trevor. I did not know these uh, guys before you introduced them to me, so I'm glad you did. It was a fun album. It's very raw. I really like the distorted sounds and kind of the the pace or the pressure of the music. I'd like to go back with lyrics in front of me and, and have a deeper listen and try to try to pick up on uh, some of those themes that you had mentioned that, that they normally sing about. Probably something that I, I would have really gravitated toward in my youth, my teenage years through high school and college, had I been exposed to them. Yeah, those guitars are really signature to them. I mentioned Deftones um, being influenced by their sound and you know, I even hear a little bit of like Smashing Pumpkins in terms of that, what I used to call a wall of guitars. I, I used to use that term wall of sound before I realized that was a Phil Spector term until we did our deep dive of the Beach Boys. It just feels like a huge layer of guitars. Maybe fittingly to the title of the song, Waves, it feels like the lead singer's voice is trapped in there somewhere drowning, but the more you listen to it, it really does push through as well. What's your next pick, Shane? All right, moving on. This next album I'd like to highlight is titled Punisher, and it's the second studio album from L.A.-born 26-year-old singer-songwriter Phoebe Bridgers. This new release follows her 2017 debut solo album, Stranger in the Alps. Dramatic and mysterious in sound, yet elegant by design, Punisher takes the listener on an intense ride from start to finish. If this album has the same effect on you that it did on me, it will force you to question the world around you while at the same time strengthen your beliefs and understanding of who you are as a person. Nominated for four Grammy Awards, including Best Alternative Music Album, be sure to check this one out. Here's a sample of one of my favorite tracks from the album. The song is called Graceland 2. we had our music lover hats on more than our critical hats when picking these albums but I'll tell you what this one is showing up on a lot of lists no matter 
how you're picking. I think this was the other one that you had on your list when we shared lists that I was like, yeah, damn yeah, it, yeah, yeah, again. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phoebe would have been on mine too. And man, this is one that I already knew I liked. But in this last week that we were listening to these leading up to recording this, I think it just grew on me more and more. And again, this one, maybe if you forced me to put these in an order, this this one may be up at the top. With more and more listens, I just feel like I got more out of it every single time. She's got really interesting conversational lyrics. The music kind of stays in the same zone, which on first listen or so, you don't quite get the complexities of. And then the more and more you hear it, the more you hear some of those differences. And it's just, it almost feels like the entire thing is one big long song in a way, because kind of a growing living piece, this album. Man, this is one I wish we could deep dive. If you do go check out this album, which I highly recommend you do, pay attention to to the opening that almost sounds like the stage is being set for a movie or, or uh, a dramatic play and the, the curtains are being drawn for this musical experience. And then at the, at the end, the last song grabs that same opening music and plays that to finish. So to, to piggyback off your point, it does almost feel like one big song or event, but there's just this mysterious element that really keeps you engaged and and makes you want more you know it's like she's not fully disclosing everything there's not um that complete uh openness but she's letting you in enough that you just you want to stay there this is only her second album she's only 26 years old i had mentioned we were talking about some other artists that are young and up and coming and in fact you got another one that you're going to talk about later One of the things that I've mentioned that I really like about some of those younger artists when they write lyrics, that they're just trying to write from a place of authenticity. They're not trying to do too much. They're writing about things that you would expect a young person to write about. And actually, Phoebe Bridgers kind of breaks that mold to me. She writes with a depth like she's not 26 to me. Um, You know, I appreciate a young artist writing about things that I would expect a young artist to write about. But Phoebe doesn't do that, in my opinion. I, I think she's beyond her years in a way. There's a depth to her. I watched some interviews, listened to her talk about the music, and it certainly feels like she's writing as somebody that's got more life experience than you'd expect a 26-year-old to have. Phoebe's got a bright future. I'm excited to see what she puts out next. Yeah, for sure. Me too. All right, you ready to share another one? I'm going to go to another 26-year-old female artist that I discovered this year. This is her debut album. 26-year-old Nashville-based singer-songwriter, Kitty Pruitt attributes growing up in the South as being a big influence on the themes and styles of her work. She was raised as a Catholic in Georgia, and this debut album is called Expectations. It wrestles with her faith, mental health, and the tension between coming out as a lesbian and growing up in a conservative household in the South. When you listen to her music, you can hear that Southern influence as artists like Dolly Parton come to mind in her songwriting. But as far as her sound, Joni Mitchell and even elements of Amy Winehouse can be heard, in my opinion. But throughout the album as a whole, and particularly on this track I'd like to play, I feel like she's channeling Rumors era Stevie Nicks. And this song is called Expectations, off of her debut album of the same name. All those years of bad test scores to drown Figure out what I was studying for But once you walk out that classroom door Nobody tells you where you're going
pick. I, I really like Katie. I'm definitely planning to follow her. Very pretty voice, very strong vocals. You know, she's got that raspy voice that she can tap into for some of the folk music, but then she has that very elegant voice that you would almost expect with a really good pop artist or somebody who would win The Voice or American Idol or something like that because their sound is just so so big and full and and easy on the ears that everybody would listen, but uh, definitely wouldn't wouldn't label her as a pop artist um, by any means, even though she has the the talent to tap into that genre. Modern country, some even old twangy uh, country vibes from the past um, at times too, which is which is a cool element. And then some of the topics she's singing about, the lyrics are very personal. There's a lot of self reflection, some doubt, uncertainty, and that identity formation. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, with with younger artists, really putting that out there, it just it kind of it feels right. And for a, for a debut album, I think it's just phenomenal. Yeah, she's got a lot of tools in her toolbox. You said it really well. She's there's a lot of herself on this album. We've talked about a lot of artists that have we've used the word cryptic to describe their lyrics, and you and I have had fun unpacking some of those. But Katie Pruitt just lays it all out there. There's no mistaking what some of these songs are about. They're pretty raw. They're pretty personal. Sometimes when you think of singer-songwriters and artists that are more on the maybe artistic side and less on the pop side, the focus is more on their words and maybe an interesting voice is more important than one that can hit all the notes. But I was going to say the same thing. I think she can put out an amazing folk album and hit all the necessary points to do that but i think she could probably win an american idol competition at the same time right excited to see what she puts out and what she does in the years to come yeah and this is one that if uh, somebody wanted an introductory song to her music i'd probably have a hard time picking one i'd, I'd say find some time and go listen to the album because you could share one song and and they might say oh you know i typically don't listen to this genre or this style but then she has other songs that are that are totally different so i think it's one to truly appreciate her musical talent you have to listen to the entire album yeah i'd agree what's next for you all right this is another great album i stumbled upon this one because i was listening to a lot of jason isbel this year and this next artist popped up as one that I may like, and it comes from John Moreland, who was born into a conservative Southern Baptist family in Texas. He was raised in Kentucky, and now he's home to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So he definitely knows a thing or two about the South, and you can hear those influences ring through in a lot of his songs. Many critics have described his music as gloriously and joyfully heartbreaking but there's also some some good moments some optimism and positivity interlaced as well interesting fact about john although he spends his time in the folk genre space these days his entry point into music was in local punk hardcore and metal bands and it wasn't until he was inspired by steve Earle's song titled rich man's war that he decided to make that transition into folk music I'm sure glad he did because his deep, mellow, raspy voice paired with the acoustic guitar, piano, and harmonica is a perfect combination. This latest and fifth studio album release titled LP5 may be his best work yet. From opening track to the album's finish, these songs come across as deeply personal and introspective. 
Moreland shows a lot of emotion and tackles challenging topics such as Christianity, identity crises, pain, frustration, mindfulness, and kindness. He blends a variety of sounds from bright acoustics to fuzzy electronics, blues, and a little bit of soul. Here's a glimpse into the beauty of this album with the track East October. Looking backwards, all my pictures look like sand ups of stolen scriptures. We were children dressed up like men. radar with his 2017 release called Big Bad Love, which I think is, was his first one where he brought in more musicians and had a little bit bigger sound and was getting some attention. And I listened to it a little bit, but I, I didn't dive in deep enough. And so I'm really glad that you picked this one because he's a great writer. Yeah, he, he makes it seem so easy. Some people have a, a speaking voice and a and a singing voice, and they have to tap into that or put some effort into making their, their music sound the way they want it to sound. I, I have the feeling that He's the type of guy that having a conversation with him, it would, it would probably sound uh, kind of soothing, almost like music. It just has a nice pitch and nice tone to his voice. He gets Steve Earle comparisons, and I was definitely hearing some Nebraska-era Springsteen on mm-hmm. both the lyrics and the sound of his voice. I saw that he was influenced by Town Van Zant and Guy Clark, which are also both artists I really appreciate. I'm sure he'll like the Steve Earle comparisons, because that's what got him into this genre in the first place. I... I was really shocked when I saw that, that he was introduced to music, doing metalcore, hardcore, punk music, and uh, quite, the, quite the switch to what he's doing now. And as another little side note, this, this album was produced by Matt Pence of the band Centromatic. We had talked about them a little bit in our episode of Jason Isbell, who Isbell himself had played with a little bit before. I think that was pre-drive-by truckers and, of course, pre-him going out on his own, so just another connection between these two artists all right moving on down the list what's up next trevor so the next artist that i chose this was kind of a late addition for me i stumbled onto this band closer to the end of the year this is an indie rock band from stillwater oklahoma called other lives originally the band was called canook and released one album under that name before changing their name to other lives for their self-titled album in 2008 This is their sixth studio album called For Their Love, and it was self-produced and self-recorded in Oregon in lead singer Jesse Tobias' A-Frame Home that makes an appearance in both the album art and music videos for this album. It also serves as background and inspiration for songs of escapism, love, and loss. 
But what separates other lives from so many indie rock bands is some of their throwback sounds, the 60s and, and 70s psychedelia, and just all the orchestration that somehow makes it feel both expansive and contractive all at once. It's cathedral-like and ornate at the same time as it's gritty and cinematic. I can't decide if this should be playing in the background of a pagan religious ceremony or a stylistic scene of a Quentin Tarantino film, <laughs> but all I know is I put this album on when I wanted to disappear into that mystery, and this opening track does that very well. It's called Sound of Violence. Make some room for the afterlife Golden gates, a happy wife Nothing compares to the sound of a violence Great destroyer, you plant the seed Live in guilt and the loser's grief But nothing compares to the sound of a violence No, nothing compares to the sound of a Another good pick. I, I really like this album. Easy listening for for, for a, a, a nice drive or sitting around a campfire. Yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. I was reading the description of this one. It sounded interesting. And then just that first song kicked in and it really did dry into that mystery. As I was saying, that's a, they've got a really unique sound. All right. What's your next one, Shane? This next album was released by Sophia Regina Allison better known by her stage name, Soccer Mommy. She grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and first picked up the guitar at the age of six and started making music very early in her life. She attended Nashville School of the Arts, where she studied guitar and also played in the swing band. And by the age of 17, she had already started posting songs to Bandcamp and had released some demos, but didn't put out a full studio album. So after finishing high school, she decided to further her knowledge of music at New York University, where she studied music business, while also continuing to pursue her music career. And after a couple years, she decided to drop out and completely focus on her music full-time. She moved back to Nashville, and shortly after that, she released her first album titled Clean in March of 2018, and less than two years later, in February of this year, 2020, she delivered her second album that we're reviewing or mentioning briefly here today, titled Color Theory. The singer-songwriter's music can best be described as indie rock, alternative, and lo-fi with some elements of pop. Sophia cites influences as Natalie Imbruglia, Mitski, the Chicks, Taylor Swift, and Avril Lavigne, and has also said that she really strives to include catchy elements in her songs. And you can definitely hear that in, in a couple tracks on this album. She has a really unique 
sound to her music with her mellow, carefree, and slightly melancholic vibes balanced out at times with a little more energy, attitude, and rebellion. And her lyrics paint vivid pictures of deeply emotional and personal issues, leaving no topics off the table. The songs on her latest album, Color Theory, are sectioned off by three different colors that she explains represent the problems she's developed as she's grown up and how they've changed her. Blue symbolizes sadness and depression. Yellow denotes physical and mental health. And gray stands for darkness and loss. Here's a clip from her hit single, Circle the Drain. young artists already in our picks here and this is the youngest 22 23 Sophia's yeah 20 yeah. actually I think it says 22 or 23 there must be some debate as to how old she actually is for one reason or another I was reading but yeah 22 or 23 so super young and then it was a couple years earlier that her prior album came out so she would have only been you know 20 years old when she's releasing her first album clean and mm-hmm. that was a big yeah. album too I remember in 2018 it's funny because I remember when that album came out and everybody talking about it, and for some reason I just didn't listen to it a lot. I think it was because I was really into Snail Mail that put out an album that same year, and she's about exactly the same age and similar sound. And I think maybe I just felt like I had checked that box and then I didn't listen mm-hmm. to Soccer Mommy enough, and I wish that I had because um, it was really fun listen to it more knowing that you had picked this one yeah she has a really cool presence about her i watched one of the music videos i think it was on this song and i saw a couple of her interviews as well she seems very carefree almost like she's just letting things happen uh in in the interviews you know in her answers nothing really seems too scripted or over the top or glorified she's just very real and authentic and her music comes off that way as well too so I really appreciated that. Yeah, good pick. Okay, Trevor, you got a couple left. Let's hear what you got next. So the next album I chose was by an artist that goes by the name Destroyer. It's Dan Behar. He started Destroyer as a solo project way back in 95 in Vancouver. 
He got early comparisons to David Bowie, which you know is going to get my attention, <laughs> in his vocal stylings. And over the course of his discography, which is now 11 albums long, with the release of this one, which is called Have We Met, his sound has grown and changed. This release shows Bayer using vintage synthesizers punctuated by all these angular guitar and bass lines that give it sort of an apocalyptic lounge sound, if that even makes any sense. In 2020, if the world is ending, Dan Bayer is the guy in the corner of the booth of the bar in Reno that has drank just enough whiskey not to give a shit anymore, but not quite enough to be incoherent about expressing it. <laughs> The album cover helps cement that image in the listener's mind with this downward gaze and white dress shirt unbuttoned maybe one button too far. <laughs> Though the overall sound gives an ominous feeling of futility, Behar peppers in just enough tongue-in-cheek quality about it to give that weight a much-needed comic relief. The song I want to play for you is called The Raven that I think captures that so well in its opening line that says, just look at the world around you. Actually, no, don't look. This is The Raven off of Destroyer's 11th album, Have We Met. Just look at the world around you, actually no, don't look. But if you only knew how, I cry foul every hour of every day. Well, I hope you've enjoyed your stay here in the city of the dying embers. The petite terror train that thought that it could We throw the game and oh how it feels so good To be drunk on the field again To be drunk on the field good job describing that style of of music and really capturing this album when i first listened to it i thought it was mysterious i I really liked the the sounds there was a a variety of sounds that kept you engaged as a listener he really enunciates when he sings so you could you could hear all the words and you could really understand the story that's that's being told at times it was a little creepy but not necessarily bad creepy <laughs> kind of you know <laughs> you mentioned sort of like lounge music they're flirting with that space a little bit but then there's a lot of other elements and genres that 
that blend in with that. Uh, so it's not too creepy, but I'm glad you mentioned the album cover because then I said, then again, there is that album cover uh, with all that chest hair popping out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, and it's almost, you made the, the, the whiskey comment. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm here for the party and I, I put on this dress shirt, but I really don't care. You know, I, whatever happens, happens. It's, it's sort of, um, given that impression that, yeah, this is kind of serious, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making an effort here, but then I'm also going to joke around and kind of make fun of myself in the process with some of the songs too. So it's really cool. There's, there's a lot of elements to this, that, uh, a fun musical experience as a listener. Yeah. I feel like he's sort of self-aware enough to know he's in on his own joke to a point. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to put it. He's serious with the lyrics and I know he's trying to say something, but at the same time, I think he knows that his presentation is maybe a little bit over the top again with the shirt unbuttoned and, and just the, uh, the level of sincerity that he puts forth, I think is, uh, is also supposed to be a bit tongue in cheek, which gives it a little bit of, you know, comic relief, like I was saying from feel of the album. And I just, it felt like something I wanted to listen to in 2020 sometimes because it's like, he's not denying that all this is happening and this album is, isn't necessarily meant to be about 2020, but it just fit that. Right description for me because it it felt like he's not trying to pretend it's not looming over us but at the same time he's gonna add a little bit of a little bit of levity to the situation as well one thing we hadn't mentioned yet is you did most of your consumption of these albums in the last week driving from arizona to iowa how many hours do you think you spent in the car oh man it was at least a 24-hour trip because i i made some stops and zigzags along the way to do some sightseeing so i spent most of the past four days in the car listening to music and and uh preparing for this podcast the last day i had an eight hour drive so i listened to all five of your picks one after the next start to finish i was jealous of your consumption of this you were sending me pictures of your drive and little image of the song that was playing on your little digital display in your car and I was just thinking man I wish I could be there driving to listen to this music and then I was thinking all right if I was gonna do this I'd have to decide which albums I was listening to when it was daylight and which ones were nighttime right yeah definitely destroyer would be nighttime (laughs) I was was thinking um Phoebe's nighttime I did listen to destroyer did you just listen to destroyer at night at night yeah yeah I, I try to avoid driving at night because I can't see the best and I don't I don't like missing the scenery around me when it's dark cuz that's true. A lot of times I try to take new roads and and see the country so I don't like missing it. So I try to get to my destination by dark, but I was a little behind schedule and I was crossing through uh Colorado over the mountains, went over a a big mountain pass about 9 10,000 feet and it was getting dark toward the top. So I was cruising down through windy roads, listening to Destroyer, and it probably made it even a little bit more eerie than it was supposed to be because of the <laughs> setting. But it was it was a it was a cool experience. Yeah, yeah. There's just certain albums that we picked. I feel like would be perfect right. for the scenery, and you'd yeah. want to be looking out over open land. And then there's some that just feel more claustrophobic and dark. And yeah, definitely. And just Phoebe Destroyer is on that list, and Phoebe is one of the ones. Yeah, I was thinking. that that was that was a fun one as well. I, so I listened I listened uh to Phoebe when I was passing through Petrified Forest National Park. Oh no way. Yeah, so that was that was pretty awesome cuz it's it's wide open, beautiful scenery 
and there weren't many people there at all. It was really quiet, really peaceful. It paired well with the music. It allowed me to get wrapped up in the in the sound, and it also it also made my my sightseeing and my time passing through there more enjoyable too, because it was it was almost like a soundtrack to the trip. That's so cool. Some of my favorite experiences listening to albums that I've grown to really love, I've got a specific memory with. And I think it's because when you have one of those novel memories or those experiences where it's like, this is like something I've never seen before. Same thing with like an album or a song. I've got some specific memories and I was like, oh man, these are such good albums. I wish I was on a drive across the country like Shane experienced them. I was pretty much in my same box on BART listening to all these, but... (laughs) Yeah, man, I, I wish you could have been there too. It's it's a lot of a lot of fun being on the open road without any distractions. For a lot of the trip, probably half of it, I didn't have cell reception either, so I couldn't have even made a call if I wanted to, and I couldn't be bothered because the call wouldn't come through. So it was me in the open road and a lot of albums to dive into. So that was pretty awesome to not have any other distractions. That's kind of a little microcosm of why we started this podcast <laughs> yeah, in the first exactly. place, just uh, making sure you've got no other distractions and right. that yeah. this, was, this was set up perfect for you for that. Well, this is a good transition to the last album on my list of five. You, you mentioned uh, you were on the BART heading to work, and I think you, you, you texted me that you were playing this album and you were really digging it. So it's, it's a, a great one we were talking about pairing music with the setting yeah this is a good one to start the day formed in oxford in 2010 by lead singer songwriter and producer dave bailey along with his childhood friends joe seward ed Irwin singer and drew mcfarlane the psychedelic pop band glass animals has capped off this decade by releasing their third studio album titled dreamland which entered the uk album chart at number two and peaked at number seven on the u.s billboard 200 Cited as their first fully autobiographical album, Dave Bailey explained that the goal with this record was to make something that was incredibly honest and incredibly us. Pitchfork did a great job describing this album by stating, it comes across like a guy trying to tell you his life story in a packed Coachella tent. (laughs) With combined elements of psychedelic rock, pop, electronic music, hip hop, rap, and indie, Glass Animals takes you on a really fun ride from start to finish in their latest album. Next time you need to escape this world for a little while, which we all need to do occasionally, (laughs) especially this year. I was going to say more so than ever. Grab yourself a good pair of headphones, take in all the sounds, get lost in dreamland.
glad you picked this one and I kind of thought this might show up on your top five because it was an album that you'd thrown out earlier in the year saying hey let's deep dive this one and then we just kind of got strapped for time and it's probably one that as far as a genre or style something I might not naturally gravitate towards and partially this is why I'm really glad we're doing this podcast and trying to step out of our comfort zones a little bit because it doesn't take long for me to just find things to attach to and things that I would like about other albums that this just presents in a different way. So you know, tapping into the artists, figuring out who they are, figuring out what might have inspired them to write, all of that stuff is still present on what is really more of kind of a poppy and fun-sounding album. There's a lot of deep layers to the making of this and the history of how Dreamland came about, so I'm glad you picked it. It popped up on a list of new albums that were coming out, and this was my entry into the band Glass Animals, but I had been given this recommendation to check them out almost five years ago. I think it was back in 2015 when I was working in North Carolina. I got to talk in music with one of my patients, and she had told me how she had really started gravitating toward this band Glass Animals and that she was just listening to them on repeat and just loved them and, and said she thought I'd really like it and I should check them out. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And, and then I saw they were coming out with a new album, and I was like, oh, that band that... She said I should check out. Maybe I should should see if if uh, they're any good. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. It was a lot of fun. I I think I have a pretty eclectic taste in music. And I I mean even though I probably like Americana folk singer songwriters and indie uh, the most, and that's probably where I where I spend most of my time. There's certain music that works well for different occasions. And if if you if you want to be up and energetic and uh sing along and, and and bounce around in your car and just have a good time playing something like this just just feels right and i had a lot of fun going through the songs a lot of catchy lyrics uh, i found myself trying to sing along and and smiling a lot while i was listening to this album and that that was something that was kind of fun uh, for me it wasn't one that i was focused on the lyrics or trying to interpret or or like being moved by it was just something that 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 got the juices flowing and got my energy up and uh that's something that's something really special when music can do that you've got to have some of that in your catalog for for the right uh you know time to pull out so this is one i'll definitely come back to yeah you definitely do have to have albums like that and you mentioned that this was his first album being more autobiographical. I think he was quoted as saying at one point he thought it was selfish to, to write about oneself. But yeah, I read that. He changed his mind in the lead up to this one. They had a, there was an incident where their drummer was in a near fatal collision while he was on his bike. And he was in the hospital and he was in a coma and I think he had a fractured skull and a bunch of brain damage. And they just weren't even sure if he was going to be the same, let alone live through it. And something about that 
made Bailey decide that he wanted to dive inward a little bit more and, and think back. So this album, it was described as being drenched in nostalgia. He incorporates a whole bunch of elements of the 90s and 2000s childhood growing up. Things like Pokemon and Michael Jordan and the show Friends. I, I believe that the songs are chronological and that first track that we played is supposed to be almost like womb-like. Mm -hmm. He puts little pieces of childhood home video, audio from home video. So you hear his, like his mother talking to him about certain things and they're just like little mundane things but it you know like I said he really decides to put himself into this album yeah I really like that clip where he, he says something about a, a rocket like look mommy a, a rocket ship or something like that and then I, mm -hmm. I can't remember what song follows that but it was almost like they were they were selected uh to to pair with with the song and uh you know, be, because we didn't do a deep dive on this, I didn't. I didn't sit down with lyrics in front of me and dissect every song. But I got the sense that that a lot of those clips were strategically placed, as if he was on this own trip in his head, this dreamland of reflecting on the past and memories, and then creating songs about it, and somehow putting in those childhood clips added to that, kind of tied back uh, to the real event. Yeah. And then I had to read this quote because I thought you might find this interesting. It said, The album's sound was shaped by its inspired recording process, which involved Bailey purchasing instruments that he felt the Beatles and the Beach Boys would have used and resampling them on samples that Timbaland and Dr. Dre used. Conversely, Bailey also used samples that Dr. Dre and Timbaland used and recorded them through tape machines and amplifiers that he felt the Beatles and the Beach Boys would have used. Yeah, I, I did read something about that, how... He was equally inspired or attributes the the music to his appreciation for the Beach Boys' pet sounds and Dr. Dre's The Chronic. And the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's quite contrasting music, but for, for somebody to, to pull from both of them in creating a, an album, yeah, that's kind of cool. See, this is really fun and also frustrating because now <laughs> I just want to... I want to do a two-hour episode about this album with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like watching 60% of a movie, but then mm -hmm. not getting the full story. Right. All right, well, you ended with an album by an artist from England. I'm going to do the same. And I started with a band that I had listened to since the 90s, and I'm ending the same way. This is another band that put out an album this year that has been around since the 90s. In our intro episode, I mentioned that Oasis was the first concert I went to, but actually it would be more accurate to say that this next artist was really the first concert I ever saw, and that's because Corner Shop, who released their ninth full-length album called England is a Garden this year, opened for Oasis in 97 for that first concert that I ever went to. Corner Shop is a British band that's a fusion of Indian music, indie rock, and electronic dance, best known for their single called Brimful of Asha, released the year I saw them in 97. Lead singer Tinder Singh and brother Avtar Singh, who is no longer in the band, chose the band name as ownership of a stereotype that British, Asians, and Indians often get labeled as all-owning corner shops. So that was his way of sort of taking power over that stereotype. This album came out right around the time we were all coming to grips with the coronavirus shutting things down in March. And for me, comfort and nostalgia of revisiting an artist that I'd listened to decades ago was a welcome familiarity for me in a time of uncertainty. 
It had been eight years since their prior record, but probably two decades since I really paid much attention to what Corner Shop was doing. That said, there were plenty of artists that had been doing it for a while that put out records in 2020, but this record by Corner Shop really shows they are still a band that's growing and experimenting, but holding on to that signature blend of sounds that makes them so unique. There's a lot of political and social commentary wrapped up into these upbeat tunes, but I just put this record on this year when I just wanted to feel good and sing this song. The song is called St. Marie Under Canyon, and this is the first track off of Corner Shop's 2020 album, England is a Garden. Good pick. I, I think of the five that you chose, this this might be my favorite. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked uh, Katie Pruitt. That's the type of music that I go for the most. But this was this album by Corner Shop was probably the, the most intriguing or, or engaging. Uh, there was just a lot of dynamics to it. It was kind of funky. There was that British pop flair to it. Uh, lots of different instruments. I liked hearing the flute on a lot of songs. It's not really something that you hear a lot of bands use. I thought that was kind of cool. Reminded me a little bit of of the Beatles at times, uh, with a modern flair to it. Yeah, uh, I liked I liked the distorted vocals on some of the songs, like on mm-hmm. Slingshot. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and it it had this this '60s vibe to it at times too. Uh, maybe that's where I kind of picked up on the Beatles. So overall, it was just a really fun album I, I i couldn't pick up what they were saying a lot of times so i should probably go back and listen to it with lyrics in front and and try to understand some of the meanings behind it and and concepts and themes but from a, a musical standpoint as a listener it was it was a lot of fun you know it's a yeah and as we're ending our year here with a project of choosing to do a podcast where we're really forcing ourselves to listen to music and expand our knowledge. I felt a little bit guilty for picking two albums on my five that came from the 90s, but they both represent a different place for me. Corner Shop is one of those bands that even when they started, they were really unique and different and always pushing them, experimenting, and, and their sound was always growing and changing. And they've really continued. They've been a band and continue to put albums. I think I said their last one was 2008, so it has been a minute. But nonetheless, they've continued to put out content and be a band. And then in contrast, the other one I picked, Hum, it had been 22 years since they'd put something out. And they sound exactly the same as I remember them. And that's kind of what I wanted for them is just that familiarity. Picked both of them because I felt like they both 
occupied a different space for me, even though they are both bands I listened to when I was a kid. Yeah, both both great picks. All all years were really good good examples of the diversity of music that's being put out today. Some from bands who've been around a while that that haven't uh, made music in a few years, and 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 others who are getting their start or releasing their their second or third. And same goes for the five that I arrived at as my picks. But gosh, if if anything, this this exercise of first choosing new albums to do a, a deep dive over the course of this past year and then at the end of the year to come up with the best of the rest and and uh choose our list of 10 uh collectively to highlight before we move on to the new year it w- was a little little overwhelming but also exciting to see the list of all the the new music that's being put out there were some albums that we talked about that definitely could have made our our list jason isbel put out a a really good album this year uh so did bob dylan taylor swift's new album which has been getting really good reviews for her stretching or broadening her musical talents and and uh putting out a a different different uh, style of album and a number of others that that uh, we talked about and we could have done a deep dive on all of them if we had the time but it's just exciting as a, a music lover to know that there's so many good options out there to explore new music to check out all the time. Yeah, this was a fun exercise, but it was also really hard. Probably the hardest part about doing this was omitting so many albums that I know. And I wanted to stick to my plan of just picking albums that spoke to me, but probably some of our most glaring omissions, as you mentioned, the Bob Dylan album, definitely Fiona Apple's new album is one oh, that yeah. you're going to see in the top of charts. It was spectacular. Really oh, yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not one that I was gravitating toward in 2020. Maybe it just felt a little bit too heavy for the year in terms of the, the feel and the content, but I appreciated it tremendously. Some of my favorite artists were, again, putting out albums this year. The Microphones, Bill Callahan, Deerhoof. Smashing Pumpkins had a new album that was really good this year. Alanis Morissette, don't forget Alanis her. Alanis Morissette, She put out yeah. some new music. Fleet Foxes had a great album that was put out this year. You mentioned Jason Isbell and Perfume Genius. I mean, there's so many albums that I, I really wanted to listen to more. Cool to know that there's a lot of options. There's endless opportunities for us to dissect music and really immerse ourselves in the albums to fully appreciate them and understand them. With the way we have this set up, going into 2021 when when we pick a new album for january and february and march we only have a month two months three months to work with and so one of your favorite artists isn't very likely to to pop up on that list and so it encourages us to go explore some other artists that are maybe completely unfamiliar to us or one that we had heard about but never checked out or somebody we listened to back in the day and lost track of them stopped following and that gives us an opportunity to broaden our horizons and expand our music knowledge and catalog of what we've been exposed to. And as, as a listener, that's a really f- fun exercise and, and uh, experience that we've created or kind of forced ourselves into by, by nature of the, the design of this project. So I'm really appreciating that. Yeah, I think it's had its intended effect. I may hold some of my college years and late high school years as some of my favorite years discovering listening to music and then skip to 
year 36 of my life maybe comes in right at, under that because um, it's forced me to do what I used to do when I was a kid and, and really just listen to music and, and dissect it and stick with an album until I feel like I really know it. Yeah, definitely. It's been a lot of fun. Well, going into 2021, our, our format will be similar. I think one of the things that I think might be fun, Shane, is maybe we do a couple of these little pit stops along the way. I think at the end of the year, it felt a little bit as an arduous task to be like, yeah. all right, yeah, it was we a little, got the little, entire year to daunting. just <laughs> graze through everything and right. figure out the top. I, I think um, we may still do a, a top five or top 10 at the end of the year too. But yeah, quarterly. We or... have, yeah, we should have some quarterly pit stops yeah. in there just to kind of get us right. interested in what's coming out. And I think... Or the semester review at the halfway yeah, point. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because we got to deep dive five really great albums from 2020. We did Field Music, Pine Grove, AWOL Nation. Our friend Billy Shields put out a great album this year. And Andy Schaff. We keep talking about how we wish we could deep dive these albums. I think if we did these quarterly... We'd have time to dive into a Phoebe Bridgers or a Glass Animals or one of these albums. Yeah, I think that would be good. It's also challenging, though, because as we've discovered here, we've we've done a, a partial dive into a lot of these, and it's it's left us wanting more, whereas when we do our full albums... We really try to try to get into it. We spend a lot of time with the lyrics in front of us. We go through track by track, analyze the message, try to figure out the story that the artist was telling, and then also extrapolate some of those themes and relate them to ourselves, to our lives, to current events. It takes time to do that. And uh, I think if you get started into that process, then you want to do it more. So we'll have to be selective. But with that said, even if you can't do a deep dive, I think what we've done here is better than being a, a surface listener and going through it once or twice without doing any research because you, you can't figure out all that stuff by simply listening to the album. So even doing a, a half dive or a, you know, a dive into the shallow end, as, as, <laughs> as you've mentioned before. As a um, physical therapist, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> if you do wear a helmet. But yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah, I think what we're doing here is good. And if we were to do that quarterly or uh, every so often, I don't know. We'll have to play around with it and see. But lots of options, lots of big things for 2021. And we're going to continue to let this project evolve. And, uh, you know, it's already taken us different directions than we had envisioned or set out to do uh, a little over a year ago when we started brainstorming. So um, that's kind of one of the cool things about this Album Divers experience is that it's it's led to some interviews with people that we would have never expected. From getting to bring Billy Shields onto the show and interview his album with him to interviewing William Goldsmith and Greg Williamson, drummer and producer of the band Sunny Day Real Estate, as a, a companion episode. Uh, to oh, us yeah. diving into their album. Both of those were awesome uh, experiences. Definitely. I mean, that was huge for me. It, as I mentioned, we did that episode. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And to get to talk to the guys that were involved was so much fun. And then don't forget Doug Paulson and Gary Moore, Beach oh, yeah, Boys definitely. fanatics and those guys awesome were great. friends. And a little uh, snapshot of us in the future if we keep talking <laughs> and loving music and, and keep our friendship yeah. going. As we'll we get our same. first concert together. And we'll That's have right. that memory. Oh, man, I can't, I can't believe we don't have that yet. No, yeah. we don't have that, thanks to everything going on right now. But that was that was really cool to hear those guys recount 
stories from back in the day going to concerts together and you know, some of the experiences that they still remember um, to this day. That, w- that was a lot of fun. All, all those are elements that I I guess I, I didn't envision happening with this podcast, at least not, not so quickly. And other interactions that we've had with all the all the Facebook groups that we've reached out to 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 share our project and also get their insight. Some some of these groups have fans with incredible knowledge on a lot of these bands. Oh it's, man, it's, yeah, I mean, it's as, crazy. As nerdy as we think we are about an album, you go on one of those Facebook groups, you can find somebody that knows something that you don't. Yeah, as yeah. many hours as you pour into it and find, you'll you'll, you'll say, well, I knew somebody's right. brother who knew the guy, <laughs> and they'll have some information that you never had, and so that's been really fun too. Is oh yeah, you know, you throw this out there, you go, I know I love music, I want to talk about it, I'm going to be doing it anyway, so. Why don't I throw a microphone in front of my face and see if anybody else cares? Mm-hmm. And to find out some other people care yeah. has been one of the most rewarding things about this too, yeah, connecting with definitely. people on, on those Facebook we, we, groups. We got to yeah. connect with field music from mm-hmm. from the very beginning. That was that was our yeah. our first official album review that we did. I mean, we had our intro episode, but our very first episode that we put out to the internet on Twitter, you got... Right. Uh, yeah. A conversation started with, was it Peter or David Bruce? It was David. David. Yeah, David yeah. Bruce. And he listened Reached to the out entire to thing. He was like, oh, I love it. It's great. But you know, you, uh-huh. you guys, you know, you're really close, but you got, you got this part wrong in the interpretation. It was actually about this and stuff. That was just so cool. Um, yeah, I could know. tell he was listening to the whole thing because he yeah. would update his tweets. He'd be like, oh, and on this song, and he would have right. a little input onto yeah. something we said. Yeah, it was, that was really fun. And Pine Grove's lead singer evan's mother was interacting with us on instagram and twitter you know liking the the posts and and that sort of stuff so it's just nothing like a proud mom cool yeah Yeah, i mean just the the connections that we wouldn't have really expected but that's the world we live in now it's it's so easy to to reach people and this project's been a lot of fun from from the artists to to the fellow fans and music lovers uh, to to you and I, it's just sharing a lot of great moments together and and growing our friendship via music and uh, you know all the experiences that that's brought us. You approached me about this project. I thought, yeah, this this will be fun. I'm not really expecting much out of it uh, in terms of other people being that interested in what we're doing. But at the very least, it would be a lot of fun for us to interact and share our love of music. And, and help each other with that exploration process of becoming more of a music historian, uh, learning about some of our favorite bands and albums from the past, learning new things about them and dissecting them, and also challenging ourselves to to stay in tune with the new albums that are being released and uh, not get lost in a, in a playlist for a couple hours listening to random songs, but to really appreciate that musical experience of listening to an album from from start to finish. So that's what I knew for sure we would get out of it. That was our goal. And that's what we set out to do. But all these extra things that have come from it have just been icing on the cake and made it more rewarding um, than I would have expected. Well, I think this is a good time just to say thank you to everybody that's listened and everybody yes, that's been a part of this journey along the way and the ways that you mentioned and, and anybody that maybe has just listened without the interaction. We just really appreciate that. But otherwise, maybe this is a wrap up for 2020. What a year. <laughs> In many ways it's good riddance, but I'd say for the podcast it's been a it's been a good year. So 
All right. Well, until next time and until next year, go listen to a great album. Peace. If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time. <laughs>